I love that we're singing more and more of our own songs. You like that one. That last one's good, isn't it? Amos and others wrote that. And just all that, that God is doing here at Community of Faith, it's so exciting. Let me read you a, a letter. Dear Pastor, I need some help. Every morning I start out with the best intentions to change my ways. And I think today is going to be different. But it never is. Somehow... Some way, I always fall back into my same old ways of relating to people and my old bad habits. Sometimes I feel like there's a tug of war going on inside of me. I really want to do what's best, but I always end up disappointing myself and God. I've tried everything, prayer, resolutions, self-help books, even hypnosis. Nothing seems to work. Why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why am I so resistant to change? Why do I do the things I know are bad for me? I'm very discouraged, and I need help getting unstuck. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, you know, I have the best of intentions, but it just, it it, it seems to fall through. Desire is not enough for life change to happen. If it was, all of us would have different lives than we do right now, because a lot of us have the desire. So what does God's word say? What does God say about how life change happens. I, I want to talk to you about how to defeat recurring temptations in your life. And I'm not talking about just the little temptations that come here and now. I'm talking about that one that always trips you up. That one that always makes you fall on your face. That one that seems like it gets you every single time. How do we overcome that? We have this cycle. Good intentions, then failure, then guilt. Good intentions, failure, guilt. It just Seems like it goes around in a circle. How do we break out of that? Paul knew what that felt like. Listen to this in Romans 7, verse 15. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. He understands how we feel. And if you've ever felt that frustration... Welcome to the human race. We're all in this. That's what I love about community of faith is that we're an authentic, real family together. We're all struggling. Let's just admit it. If you're perfect, you're not going to want to join community of faith because we're far from perfect. But we're a family that's on mission together. We're on a journey together. We're fellow strugglers together. And we pick each other up and dust each other off and say, come on, we're going to make it. Together, I want to share with you this morning how God's word says that we're going to do that. So I want you to pull out your sermon notes because I've even got a little kind of life quiz in there that I need you to take. So make sure you've got a pen and your notes and let's go. The first step in the path to freedom is, number one, recognize your pattern of temptation. If we're going to overcome this temptation, we've got to We've got to recognize the pattern. Look what the Bible says. Plan carefully what you do. Avoid evil and walk straight ahead. Don't go one step off the right way. So what do I mean by recognize your pattern? All of us have patterns in our life. And and there's some temptations that trip you up that don't trip someone else up. There's some that really trip someone else up that, that, that aren't even an issue for you. But Satan knows our patterns of temptation for sure. And he knows what that looks like. He knows exactly when, where, how, all of those things. And 
If we're going to avoid it, we need to recognize our own patterns of temptation. So I, I just put some little words down there. The first one, when. When am I most tempted? I'm talking about the day of the week and the, the time of the day. Which day of the week are you most tempted? I mean, is, is it Monday that you're discouraged? Uh, and starting out in ministry many years ago, I asked a, an older wise pastor if he had any advice for me. And he said, I'll tell you some really good advice. Never resign on Monday. And I thought, what? But then as I got into church and, and, and walk, we, sometimes you have some really difficult weekends. And Monday, after all of the exertion of the, the weekend, sometimes you're really down. And so all of a sudden it really made sense. Well, when is, when is your time? Are you most tempted to lust on Friday night? When, when is it? Uh, or what's going on when you seem to fall? And it's important that you know that. Is it, is it lunchtime? Is it early in the morning? Are you really grumpy and, and snappy with people? And, and that temptation to, to anger, is, is, is it when you're on a diet? Yeah? You know, is, is it... Um, after everyone's gone to bed at night and you stand, you're sitting in front of the computer screen, what does it look like? In my case, like one of my big issues, when I struggle with food, I, I just, you, you, you know, I struggle with food. I've told you that lots of times. But I don't struggle with food in the morning. In fact, I could tell God, God, I'm going to be really spiritual and I'm going to fast all the way till noon. That was, that's easy for me, but you know when the difficult time, it's like after 7, 8 o'clock at night, that's when, in fact, I, Laura and I were trying to figure out where we got all these calories from, because sometimes I thought I was doing so good, and I would add up, I ate more calories between 8 o'clock and midnight than I did all the rest of the day, you know, and, and just snacks out there, so I, I began to realize that's one of my times that I'm tempted. What, is it after a few drinks? Is alcohol involved I mean sometimes several affairs that I've I've tried to counsel couples through have happened because they got really extra flirty you know after a few drinks or, or, or do you say things to your spouse that you would never have said if you hadn't done that about 80% of the time in the counseling that I've done through the years alcohol's been involved in, in some of it so you need to know that you need to figure that out number two where am I most tempted where is it at work is it in the kitchen is it at your neighbor's house is it at the sports bar is it in front of the computer where is it that you're most tempted down through the years I've had lots of teenagers come to me and they would say pastor I just need to talk to you I I accidentally had sex and I always say I hate it when that happens you know because you know you're walking along holding hands and you just trip and fall and all your clothes fly off and you land in a compromising position like that and uh, accident. It doesn't happen that way, does it? So is it upstairs in your boyfriend's bedroom with the door closed? Is that where temptation, I mean, where is it that, that temptation happens? Who is with me? Who's with me when I'm most tempted? Some of you are most tempted when you're alone, if you're a believer, you know you're never alone though, right? You have God inside of you, walking with you. But others of you, it's not the problem about being alone. It's when you get with that group of guys or that group of gals and, and, and 
you know, that's when temptation hits and you, I just kind of follow along. Well, everybody else is going there, doing that, whatever. What? What temporary benefits do I get when I give in? There's always a payoff for temptation. I mean, nobody would sin if it was a bummer, would they? Nobody, uh, if sin was like getting an electric shock, nobody would do it. It's like, oh, I really, you wouldn't do it. Even the Bible says that sin is, is fun for a season. So it has a payoff, an immediate payoff, but it has long-term consequences. The Bible says the long-term consequence is death, some kind of death. And, and we just have to realize that. There's some, something that's going to die and, because that's the wage that sin brings. But, but what's the pleasure? What's the payoff? See, there's always a kick in sin, and then later on, it's a kick in the head. But there's this temporary satisfaction, long-term consequences. What is it that you feel? Is it, is it release? Is it excitement? Is it confidence? Maybe you exaggerate all the time. That's actually called lying, you know? What do you get out of it? I feel better about myself when I say these things. How? How do I feel right before I'm tempted. It's important to know your personal emotional triggers. Do you get tempted when you're frustrated? Do you get tempted when you feel lonely? Do you get tempted when you feel unloved, depressed, worn out, weary? You need to know the triggers that lead to that. And that leads me to a second principle that's even more important and that's this. Number two, guard the condition of your heart. Guard the condition of your heart. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. For it affects everything you do. If you want to make lasting change from the inside out, it starts way deep inside. You don't look at behavior first. You don't focus on willpower. You don't even look at feelings. But you have to focus first on your heart, a little x-ray of your heart. Here's a a little self-quiz, and I want you to evaluate yourself on a scale of zero to four, okay, in these different categories, and when we get to the end, we will add them up. So let's just look at that. I want you to circle one of these, zero, one, two, three, or four. Physically exhausted. If you're totally physically exhausted, it would be a zero. Or energetic in shape. If you're in the most amazing shape, of your life and so excited and feeling really good physically it would be a four so where is it on a scale of zero to four how about discouraged pessimistic versus encouraged optimistic circle one bored discontented challenged contented spiritually dry and empty or spiritually growing geographically distant or alone and and that could be geographically or just emotionally near together insecure or unsure secure or confident you say I don't know what then you're not very secure right you're not very sure deeply wounded hurt versus loved and understood and don't look over at your husband or wife and go zero All right, you can put zero, but don't make a big deal out of it, okay? Secretly bitter, that wouldn't be secretly, would it? 
angry or have forgiven everyone. Sad, happy, alienated, unsupported or close supported. It's kind of similar. So add up those points. If you got all fours, there's ten questions. You got a 40. If you put all zeros, obviously you have a zero. But if you have between 35 and 40 points, you're in pretty good shape. If you got between 25 and 35, you need to be careful. You're probably a lot more vulnerable to temptation than you realize. If you got between 15 and 25 points, you're in serious danger and you don't really have any protection against what, what Satan's trying to do against you. And if you have less than 15 points, you're in crisis right now. You might not even know it. Maybe you live there, okay? Maybe that you feel like that is your address, crisis. But you need to get with someone today. We're going to have some prayer, uh, some folks up here at the end of the service to pray. Come and pray with them for sure. And get signed up for counseling. So once you know what your score is, the next question that goes with that is, how long have I been at this level? You know, if it's a low level, is it just the last couple of days, the last week? Or has this been a long, ongoing thing with me? The longer it's been going on, the the more dangerous it is. The Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. What is the foothold? It's when the devil carves out a little space in your life so he can grab more. It's kind of like when the Allied forces stormed the, the beaches at Normandy and it was horrific and terrible and hard to get hold of the beach. But once they had a beachhead, they went on to win the war. And that's what the devil's trying to do all the time is Get like a little beachhead in your life so that he can move in. And the number one foothold that he gets is some sort of negative emotion when you're physically exhausted or discouraged or depressed or bored or dry. When you're insecure or you're deeply wounded or bitter. Let's say you're worried and insecure and angry and hurt and the the devil's going to come along and start saying things like, you know, you deserve a little pleasure in life. I know that this isn't right, but you deserve to be happy. I mean, you, you deserve, uh, life's too short for you not to be happy. You, you deserve it. You, you need something. Calm you down. A little pleasure in life. The end of that way is death. So that brings me to number three. And this one is kind of crazy if you haven't realized it before. But invite God into the moment you say into the moment of my temptation yes invite God into the moment well I would be way too embarrassed why because he doesn't know what's going on he already knows right he already knows where you are he, he knows everything about you he knows every thought you think I'd hate to tell God what I'm thinking right now you know he already knows it but here's the amazing thing He knows you in your deepest, yuckiest place, and he still loves you with all that he is. He knows you. Maybe no one else in this world really knows you. Maybe you hold out a facade of who you are, and and it's, you know, I've got an image of who I am, and I'm not going to let anybody in. He's already in. He's telling you that right now. He's in, he's in, he knows all of that, okay? Keep alert and pray 
Otherwise, temptation will overpower you, the Bible says. And then he says, call to me when trouble comes and I will save you. Here's my favorite about all of this out of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. It says, Jesus understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same temptations we do. Yet he did not sin, so let us come boldly to our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. He understands. You say, how, how, how could he understand? How could he understand what, what I'm feeling toward that woman at the office and, and, and feeling like I'm about to fall into this affair? Do you think that the women who followed Jesus weren't in love with him? How could you not be in love with Jesus? And he had saved them out of prostitution and so many things. And the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, lonely. So he had to feel all that same stuff. There had to be times that he was tempted, yet without sin. So he's felt what we've felt. Circle same temptations. Jesus faced the same temptations. Does that mean he struggled not to be angry sometimes? Yeah. Does that mean that he sometimes wanted to have a pity party? And, and Yeah. Sexually, fatigue, loneliness, all those things. He faced it. You say, well, I don't know if I want to come to God. He's just going to heap judgment on me. You don't know God. That's not who God is. That's a God that you've made up or that someone's, maybe you had parents that, treated you with a really conditional kind of acceptance and it was performance based God's not like that God's not performance based look what he says if you come you can come boldly to a gracious God you'll receive mercy and grace wow the fourth principle redirect your attention that's what psychology would tell us redirect your attention. Here's what I would say. We can go even stronger as believers. Go to war. That's how I put it. Go to war. So what we do, we change the direction of our thoughts. We refocus on something else. Shift your attention. Temptation, James says, is the pull of your own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions. The Bible says that temptation always starts with a thought, not an action or an emotion, with a thought. It begins in our brain, so the battle is in our brain. And psychology says there's, there's a, a, a law of human psychology that we move toward what we focus on. Have you ever noticed that? And see, a lot of us, we focus on the things that are tempting us, trying to overcome them. Like, for example, you'll be going like, wow, she really hurt me and 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 and, you know I'm not going to be bitter and 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 mad and angry about but man that was that was really wrong you know I mean she really hurt me in fact let me tell you anybody want to hear how she hurt I mean but I'm not going to get mad I'm going to be I'm going to be okay but she really no you're not going to be okay because what are you focused on you see the Bible says we become what we're I'm never going to treat my kids like my dad did you know and you're going on and on and on about you're becoming your dad. I'm never going to do that like my mom. That's what we focus on and we, be, we become like that. 
Have you ever noticed that what you focus on, I mean, it really does make a, a, an impact. I mean, are you feeling kind of hungry right now? I mean, maybe not. Maybe you stuffed on donuts. But, I mean, some of you, like a classic smash burger, doesn't that sound, you know, kind of dripping with a little grease? Ooh, that sounds pretty good. Some of you are going like, oh, my gosh, let's get out of here. Smash burger's going to have all kinds of people there today, right? We feel that. Or, wow, isn't it? It's so rainy and it's kind of stuffy in here now, too. And people, everybody starts fanning themselves, you know? You see how whatever it is, you begin to think about it. I, I'm a human being, and I got you thinking about it. Think what the devil, he's got lots of experience, thousands of years to get you hooked into that. Temptation follows a predictable process. There's a tension, and then there's arousal. I'm not just talking about just sexual. And then there's action. And, and, and that's the way that it goes. But the, the key is you don't fight it. You flee from it. Look what the Bible says. We capture every thought and make it obey Christ. We capture every thought. We realize we're the thinker. We realize that the thoughts that we're focusing on are what's causing the emotions in our life. You can't control all the circumstances in your life. You can't control most of the circumstances in your life. And emotions are amazingly independent. Don't focus on them. Got to get down to what you're thinking about and, and and again don't say I don't want to feel that way I don't want to feel this way don't want to you're still focusing on the way that you feel and don't ever argue with the devil because you know you're gonna lose he's been arguing with Christians for thousands of years and he's so much I mean he's he's a he's a brilliant being okay I call it go to war because I think we have another tool as believers that unbelievers don't have Romans 12, 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. What I would say is, when that temptation comes and you want to redirect your thought, don't just do what psychology says, go to war. I want you to think of someone that if they came into the kingdom of God, if they trusted Jesus, would do great damage to the devil's kingdom, would do great good for God's kingdom. Think of who that might be, or think of someone that, that has you know that you want to pray for and every time the devil tries to tempt you in that certain area you flip over and pray instead every time let's just say it's some kind of lust you're on the computer by the way porn has become a huge problem for women these days so it's not just guys that are struggling with it anymore but let's say you're on the computer and you kind of start thinking you think it's your thought but it's the devil whispering in, in first person with a Hockley accent, you know, to you, I want to see this website or I want to go over here to whatever. And first off, you don't have to start thinking, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to, you're just dwelling on it, right? So what I want you to do is flip over and pray for somebody. If it's lust, maybe you don't pray for Angelina Jolie. Maybe you pray for somebody else. Okay, but it, it's you, you flip over and you start to pray, God, I pray that this person will come into your kingdom. I pray that you will save them. I pray. Maybe it's a son or daughter that's far from God. Or maybe it's someone at work. Or Just every single time you flip it over, that's going to war. Because there's a spiritual warfare. 
So the devil's on one side saying, I get him or her to fall every time on this one. Watch this. And then you flip it over and pray every time. Shut your computer, get down on your knees and start praying. Pretty soon the devil's going like, I, uh, this isn't working out like I thought. This is, this. And so you'll start to see that he starts to let up. Because there's some spiritual side of this too. It's not just you. Yeah, you're, you're, you, you can be drawn to that. But it's not just you. There's a, a spiritual battle going on. So maybe it's a thousand times the first day. But you pray a thousand times. The devil's going to go like, I don't really like that. Maybe he'll try 500 times the next day and 100 times the next day. But after a while, he's just trying to slip it in every once in a while because you're going to war with him. You're praying. And there's one other principle, and this one we don't, most of us really don't want to do because we feel like, you know, I can handle it. I can do this. You would have overcome this a long time ago if you could if you could handle it but God wants us to do this and that's number five confide in a believer you trust confide in a believer that you trust there's some things you're never going to solve on your own they're too ingrained too habitual so you got to get around people who will encourage you God has wired us that way he says two are better than one because together if one falls down the other can help him up but if someone is alone and falls there's no one to help you don't need a lot of friends, just a couple of close friends, two, three, four, five, maybe, all you need, or get in a support group. We've got some amazing support groups here at Community of Faith, and, and, and other people, I didn't know I felt that way. Even as a young parent, I can still remember having that, that, that little child in my arms, that little baby, like what we just dedicated up here. In the middle of the night, screaming at the top of his or her lungs and thinking, I cannot control this. This is out of my control and I can't do this anymore. And you just want to, you know, kind of lay the baby down and walk off, right? And, and say, I'm never coming back. You think you're the only one that ever felt that? You see, all the young couples are feeling that with little babies. I, I remember not long ago, Blake Jackson took me to lunch and he said I just need to know he's on our worship team and he said I just need to know how did you do it he had all these little children three under the age of five and I said Blake man I'd love to give you great advice on that but it's kind of a blur I don't remember this kind of survived it you know and I was telling Laura the other day I said why is it that we enjoy Zoe our granddaughter so much I don't remember enjoying my kids this much and then we kept Zoe overnight and I remembered why, because, you know, it's a whole different story, right? When you can't give them back um, at the end of the day. But we've got to be open and honest. You say, I could never share that. I could never say that. The only place healing comes is as we do that. Look what the Bible says, James 5, 16. You really want healing. Admit your faults to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. You have to admit it. You have to admit it. So that someone can pray for you. When someone comes to me and shares, Pastor, I've got to share something with you. I've never shared with anybody else. And they share this dark thing in their life. It's not, I don't feel judgmental about that. I feel hope. Because I see that that's the first step toward healing. 
you know, there's some things you just don't want to share. I, you know, when, when Laura had cancer, it was difficult even to talk about, but then the kind of cancer, she had rectal cancer. So that, you know, why couldn't you have like some kind of cool cancer? I don't know. I don't know that there is any, but she had this rectal cancer, and so people would ask us, you know, well, what kind of cancer is it? Rectal, you know. But if we hadn't shared that, she wouldn't be healed. If we hadn't told the doctor, this is what it is, and this is, if we had just been too embarrassed to even talk about it or go get treatment for it. And I'm so grateful that we did. And, and, and there's, you see, there's no, no, nothing in your life that we shouldn't be able to share with someone that you trust. Now, I said that you trust. Don't share with that person that's going to like, oh, my gosh, we need to pray. Everyone pray for, you know, that's not prayer. That's gossip, right? You need to share it with someone that you trust. And, and it makes all the difference in the world. Some of you, you just need to know, we love you here. That's why we tell our stories. Trey, our drummer, you know, he wrote that amazing song, You Lifted Me Up, You Lifted Me Out, Out of the Pit, the Miry Clay, but he gave his story to us. We, he just shared it not too long ago about how he was so mired in addiction. Now, that takes vulnerability to share that with 8,000 people. But let me just tell you something. So many stepped in after that and said, I want to be free too. It makes all the difference as we share. We're all in this together. Look at this last promise in the Bible. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common man so that's saying that no matter what you think no one's ever suffered from this you know no one's I don't want to admit this to anyone my my foot fetish or whatever it is I don't care you know I don't want to admit this to anyone but when it's common that means other people have it other people are struggling with it God is faithful who won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but with temptation temptation will provide the way of escape so that you can endure it there's a way of escape but sometimes it's to share it okay you see on this earth you won't ever be sinless but you can sin less that's what we can understand some of you are going like well I don't have a single friend that I would trust with, with, with what I need to share well you've come to the right place because I've got a friend that you can share with I'm going to put the support hotline We've got, I told the staff, go out and get a burner phone this week, all right? And this is for you. Lainey and Bradley have the burner phone right now, okay? And they're here for you. You call that and say, I just need to share this with somebody. And they can help you take the next step. They will pray with you, okay? They will walk with you. There's nothing that, I mean, people called last night on the phone. There's nothing that you can say to Lainey that's going to make her go like, oh my gosh, hang on just a minute. My jaw just hit the floor, okay? I promise you we've heard it before. And we're here for you. 